Good morning. Welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Beep, boop, beep, pop, pop, beep, beep, Good morning. Boop, boop, beep, Greg, beep, do, beep. re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. I'm going I'm to get... guessing. How cool would it be and how freaky would it be if I got Greg's <sighs> secret word? Well, seeing as how you said it like four seconds into the podcast when Greg is never here... <laughs> <laughs> it's literally it's be like, reading yeah, his mind. Nope. All the more freaky. <laughs> Excellent. So jumping into another topic today. Uh, this is a pre-recorded message. Uh, message uh, episode. This is a pre-recorded mess. <laughs> message. Good morning. Good morning. Up, rise and shine. It's <laughs> seven thirty. Welcome. We <laughs> Welcome would to definitely a new day lean, on Thursday. I think we would definitely lean more towards like the morning radio, like. <laughs> I mean, mm. <laughs> I mean, our types of radio might be slightly different. <laughs> oh, the only thing I can think about morning radio is is Bob and Brian in the morning. Yeah, they have their like crazy go. intro, Bob and Brian in the morning, or whatever they do. Anyways, for the thirty years or whatever. That would yeah. be, be a fun exercise. We say our personalities based on our morning radio shows. How many episodes would we have if we did this for thirty years? That'd be a lot of episodes. I still a lot more wrinkles, that's for sure. Yeah. That's true. I can't, say, I can't say I'd have less hair, but I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I think True be, statement. I think it would be early by by default. Did you sleep? No. We, we might have the podcast start at 5.30 in the morning, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oy, oy, oy. All right, let's jump into a topic for today. Our topic for today is uh, an article from uh, Brian Dykes. Brent. Brent. Sorry, I read the wrong thing. Brent, thanks. My apologies, Brent. Uh, and it's talking about story framing and story forming, two essential steps that precede the data storytelling, which I think is really interesting. So a uh, good article. There's going to be a lot of good things to talk about. I highlighted a couple of things that I think resonate with me throughout the article. Um, I feel like this is a buzzword. I feel like a lot of people talk about, we need to, we need to you know, improve your storytelling or in, improve your... Um, you know, your data literacy or insights. He say he, in this article, he talks a lot about insightful information. Uh, and I thought he did a good job defining what that meant. Or the most egregious example is people saying, look at my storytelling and they just show a normal report. They're like, it's just mm -hmm. a report. And I think he did it. I mean, I think the, the thing that resonated with me when we started initially talking about, I talk a lot about insights when I build reports. Um, trying to find the specific wording here that he used. Um, insights most organizations have an abundance of data and information but insights are more elusive I thought that was pretty well worded there they're, they're a little bit more difficult to come by not well, just straight throw a table on the page and call it an insight well and I think insights too is the one of the words that would go on the back of our t-shirt because I think if we were to have this podcast t-shirt where we have game changer and whatever our other buzzwords are, I think on the back of the t-shirt would be all the words that we despise, like compose. Oh yeah. Composable. About. Yeah. I think composable. Yeah. yeah. Trigger, trigger word, trigger word. Yeah. And I think insights is one of them because it's thrown, it is thrown around way too much, almost just as much as storytelling where do people really know what that means? And I, <laughs> the question would be for Microsoft, like deliver insights for your business. Like, okay, let's break that down. So, Let's well, talk about. I don't, mm, oh, go ahead. Okay. I, I mean, he 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 takes a a an example of somebody who said that there isn't that insights mean an unexpected shift in the way we see things. Okay, that's what I was. That's the yeah. the other phrase that hit me pretty well in the articles. I highlighted that one. Yeah. Now, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, but that is unexpected is different than the definition of the word from my understanding because an insight is the capacity to gain an accurate and deep intuitive understanding of a person or a thing it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be unexpected i agree with that Does one it? so like i i'm not yes i i i'm i'm I don't necessarily disagree because it's challenging me in, in using the word insights. However, in the example that he provides later on in the article where it's, you know, there's a 200% increase in sales and nobody understands why 
if nobody understands why there's 200% increase in sales and you're going to go do analysis and figure out just because you, you have an indicator, you, you don't like having the understanding of, or the explanation of why something happened pro provides what to the business. If it's not an insight, it's just an explanation the way he said, like it's, Oh, yeah. we, we know. So, uh, like we had an indicator. So now therefore it's just a matter of an explanation. Like what's the difference between that and an insight with something as I analyze the data, mm -hmm. I find a marker or an indicator that allows me to find an additional explanation for why that's happening. How is that not just an explanation for what I've found in my analysis? Sure. One well, may be easier than the other. Mm -hmm. well, I, yeah. I would lean toward, towards his explanation more or the definition, because to me, like using insight is something that can be repeatable. Like if, if sales or marketing is up 200%, the reasons why could be more than one, but the main reason is something that we can reuse because we know this is being successful. This has caused this. Yes, you can say it's an explanation, but to me, it's something that's like, yeah, and we can continue to do this in other campaigns. Sending emails out at 6 a.m. is much better than sending them out at 8 a.m. To me, that's an insight. That's some variable, some behavior that marketing should continue to do. And that's what, I mean, that to me is like the name of the game. I mean, if you can uncover that. I think we're jumping ahead. Sure. I think we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I, I would also agree with your kind of summarization of insights, Seth. I mean, I think, I think it doesn't have to be like a shocking new revelation that's occurring inside your data. I think it could be something around, I, I do feel like before you start doing analysis and finding insights, you need to have a good grasp of the audience needs, their interests, and their key questions. Because <clears throat> I think those things form what becomes insightful to that audience. And I definitely think that there's multiple, there's a concept of here, like it kind of alludes to a little bit is know your audience because the information you're going to provide them, they care about certain things that they're interested in. So you're, you're kind of crafting the report into that, a story that that team can resonate with. Yes, you're kind of, I would say you're kind of mixing some of the concepts that that he's in. Like, if by team you mean, so let's let's back up, let's back back way. That's up, all messed right? up. I I am because we're not providing the context for the listeners of like, hey, we're talking about data storing and pretty, oh. and then we dive directly into insights in like like halfway through the article. What's well, his point number one? His point number one is story framing, framing the data so key insights can be more easily found. It can be. The point I guess I I wanted to make was. Um, I, I thought I was going to go off the rails immediately in, in the, the article, because in, in the very top, like he, he starts to describe what he means by storytelling or the overuse of storytelling mm -hmm. and then story, his, his three part approach is essentially story framing, story forming and storytelling and at first, my my assumption was he was talking about like, oh, generating this process and this is what it is for every report. I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> like, if you read, read like Alberto Cairo, mm -hmm. um, he's, he's got a great book uh, called The Truthful Art where he's he's a, a journalist and, and he analyzes data and, and like was talking about um, the type of visualization where you are you are walking somebody through a story, right? Mm -hmm. But but he he quickly dispelled all of that for me in his first 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 section here, which was mm -hmm. great because it it is I I do resonate, uh, and I think he said one of his paragraphs. Uh, I'm trying to find it where he was just like, yeah, I've I've uh, I've never believed dashboards tell stories, tell data stories, and I'm like, okay, great. Like now we're on the same page. So like, I think where he started to lean was or where he does is what we can do as BI professionals in developing reporting is create a story frames, like these, these areas of focus for the business to say, okay, Mike, to your point, and I think we should talk about it is like uh, understanding what the business objectives are and then giving the box that best suits them to play and, and do analysis in that area to start to uncover explanations 
and potentially insights. <laughs> if I frame, I agree. Says it. And I also think we're using, I mean, I think we're, what we're trying to do here with visuals and report pages and data information is we're trying to convey, we're, we're communicating to other people with those graphical images. And so we have to both look at the, the same image and be able to come to some sort of similar result or similar outcome. The, the visual itself becomes an aggregate form of the information and helps you get to, and in the article he talks about the root cause. I think that resonated very well with me. Side question in here. Because I, I agree with almost everything he's saying in, in the article. Um, and while we generate reports, like while we put data together, we frame it, right? The, the idea is to provide what we would say insights to, to the business. Um, do you, do you think the vast majority or like, what is the percentage of data folks that are, aren't doing much other than just consolidating data? Ooh. You know what I'm saying by that? Yeah. So yeah. Just, frame that question another way. Like, well, I, I, can I, can I ask the question on how I hear it? Go ahead. And then see, tell me if you think it makes more sense. What are the number, what are the, what are, how many people are in the data space that are purely looking at historical reporting or just bringing data together to show you what historically happened? <laughs> I, would, I would say how many people are claiming to do stories while that's all they're doing. And is that your kind of question, Seth? Is, it kind of, is that kind of where you're, where you're at? Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree with that a lot. Well, because yeah. I, I guess, and the reason as, as I read through this article and, and we're talking about it, this idea is elicited. Um, what, if, if we were doing more collectively, other than just consolidating data, what topics of conversation would always be happening? And so that's a, this is a really great point because when you really think about the term storytelling, which would also go on the back of our t-shirts, uh, uh, on the, the no go list is the data is constantly changing. This is, a, I've argued this forever. And I'm glad that Brent said this in a much better way, but when we're dealing with our Dashwinds reports, the data is changing. So if you were trying to tell the story that, Hey, numbers are up 20%. Well, over time that can decrease. That's like telling the story of the big bad wolf. And he's late on one of the stories, one of the times where this, the actual plot changes, not saying we're manipulating the data, but when mm. you tell a story with data, you're highlighting areas in a specific set of time that like, Hey, the campaign did well because of X, Y, and Z. Well, the next year that numbers can be, those numbers can be drastically different which then tells a different story. And our point of telling a story is a specific set of time to help the user guide them through the, those specific data points that we've highlighted. Reports do not do that. A report cannot do that when it's refreshed daily over time and then we set and forget. So I, I agree with you, but like a well-trained politician, you completely avoided answering my question. Okay, save the question again. <laughs> well, trust me, what, that is one thing I am not. So, <laughs> so I misheard so you. I'll yeah, answer we, your question. I mean, I, I do think like, you're right. I think you're, to your question, Seth, I think many people don't understand what storytelling actually is. And I think it starts talking with, like, it, it's like with a problem statement. You have some sort of data to support your hypothesis. And then there's like an outcome, a result, a root cause the sales were up 200% because we launched this new product and the majority of the new sales were up in that area. And I think this is, this is part of what I went through when I went through the, uh, the Delta associates training, which, which would, which did a lot of like, okay, you have a lot of data. Where is the largest impact of your information coming from? Do people really know what has, what in, what is changing and where, what is drawing on the most impactful or which part of your data has moved the most? What's driving the root cause of the change of 200% sales, right? We don't ask those questions. And I think that's more of the storytelling. Um, but I don't, I don't think many people are thinking that way when they're building reports. And therefore, they get stuck in this, I'm just going to throw a bunch of charts at you or tables and things. And then here you go. Here's a bunch of information. It's up to you to go find your own information. We're not really telling, leading right. people think, to where you want them to go. Yeah. I think 
let me let me re-ask my question because it's almost, I, at first I thought it was almost a parking lot because you do make a good point and and I think we come back to it a little bit but okay or I come back to it a little bit sure <laughs> you guys may have be already past me which is entirely possible okay. no when I'm when I'm talking about consolidation of data versus I, I I guess the the thought here is consolidating data and just presenting it versus actually creating a valuable frame. Right, because where I'm going with that question of what conversations should we be having mm -hmm. or be very well known across the data community, which I don't think they are, are the questions like, are the, uh, is the communication between us as technical data resources and the business? How do I understand what frame to provide or mm -hmm. the context by which somebody's going to analyze data if we don't have that locked down? And we don't, I don't think. So, like, and I, yeah, I, I think I understand your question now and we'll see. But I think that this is one of the, <laughs> this is to me, honestly, we've talked about this before. One of the cons of Power BI is that you're not necessarily stat ever static reports and this is churn and burn. I th rather than with Excel, where it's like, remember, like we talked about in a previous podcast, my reports back in the day were PowerPoints that I had a report on 10 a.m. that I delivered the insights or highlight to users. They did not have a dashboard to look at. Power BI is now created this way where we call the self-service, which I think in turn has changed people's expectations of what BI does. Back in the day, people would ask me to say, like, why did this campaign do well? Those questions do not exist or did not exist when I was back uh, in the corporate role with Power BIs. We need to see the data a certain way, or I need to see these things over time. When Power BI was not a thing, when and it was all these 10 a.m. meetings that we had to do, it was, tell us why, where we should spend our budget. What do you find in the data? That's the right kind of question to be asked. That's the story. And I think also, too, people who did not grow up or grow up, um, did not start from the that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to start from the framework of telling stories with data, where they start with power behind data models, if they don't have that skill, if they didn't do something like Delta or they didn't have that experience, they don't know how to actually ask that story. And I so I think it's kind of the the two part organizations don't expect the BI team to deliver those types of insights. They expect them to put a dashboard together and model data. They're not asking them where should we spend money or, you know, who are our best sales associates or what products should we invest in? So, so that I think is the crux of my question, mm. right? What you just asked, what, what you just said was they expect the BI team to throw a bunch of visuals on a page. And how do we know we're throwing the right visuals on the page if you're not engaged no with questions. the business. Right. Yeah, the question, There's we're no not question. asking the right, I, I keep thinking not, to myself, yeah. we're not asking the right questions. I'm just saying in general, like yeah. if, if I'm going to look at the technical community as a whole, I, I would I would say, are they locked into the right technical languages? Yeah, DAX and M, like there's a massive amount of data out there, right? From uh, how do you operate? How do you build visual? Like all of the technical pieces got it in spades. But if I'm going to compare that wealth of knowledge up against how do you how do you create like um, very usable targeted framed data sets for people to use? One, well, I, I would say how do you as a BI team ensure that those reports that allow for explanation, discovery, and insights for a particular business area? How do you ensure you're spot on? How do, how do you ensure that you are covering the objective of the organization? That requires a lot of an, like back and forth with the business or a, a process by which you extract that information from the business to provide value to them. And I don't think we talk about that enough. And I, I agree with that. I think the business doesn't have the trust in us anymore to do that, to have that leadership role. No, well, I disagree with the that other one. side of that coin where mm -hmm. I don't think so. What I what I think you have is an expectation all of a sudden is that even if I provide with you with the appropriate data sets and we're talking about this where we spend our professional careers doing this, 
you're handing the keys to a particular business person who just cares about solving their problem. They, they don't like, I would argue on that end, like, do they have the analysis experience? Mm. Do they know how to frame their own day? Right. Do they know what they're looking for? Which is where complete self-service, I think, never takes off the way people think it does because you don't have people right. that know how to use the tools. I agree, but I'm going to, I'm going to push back a bit here because push. I'm going to push, uh, but, but in a, in a good, in honestly, in, in a genuine way here, we've talked about trying to interview people. Power BI has made a lot of BI analysts <laughs> who maybe shouldn't be BI analysts. The year to the right out of college who do not have the experience in the analysis role or the intelligence role or people who are good with, in a sense, modeling, but don't have that other skill, the soft skills. And I think that this is very prevalent. I'm not saying this is everyone, but we've seen this a lot. I think in a lot of organizations, that's cause those people are not asking the right questions. They're not coming in with the experience of the intelligence. They're just really good at Power BI, but they do not have any of those other skills. I think that make a BI team or an organization uh, uh, successful. And I think there's lowered the expectation of what BI should be doing. I think, I think in, it had, I, mean, I, I go to, and when I hear you say, I agree with you to some degree. I, I, let me say that again. I agree. I agree. I'll take that. Not, there's not some degree of agreement here. I either agree or I don't agree. So I, I agree with what you're saying. Where, where I would go with is where my mind walks to is how do you solve the problem? Mm. What, what, does, what does a healthy reporting, insightful, story framing culture in your business look like? So, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we're going to have to move a direction here. And I feel like what I'm framing in my mind based on what you guys have been talking about is in general, we need just regular education around data, insightful things, actionable reporting, right? If we, I think if we communicate more on those levels, and, I, and that's something that I think I use fairly, I, hopefully well, fairly frequently when we're talking to people about building a report. Okay, what, what keeps you up at night, right? What is bothering you when you leave the end of the day? When you look at this report and walk away, what do you want to go do? Do you want to spend more money on marketing? Do you want to change the plan? Do you want to, like, tell me what the actionable things are that you need to go accomplish. From there, we kind of walk our way back. Okay, so because of this, here's some ways we would want to represent the data to help you understand, right? Okay, we need to under identify what are our goals? What is the sales this year versus last year? Does that align with your expectation of those goals? What do you need to do now to do that? Do we need to do some sort of projection? Right. We need to do an estimate moving forward of where we think we will go based on our past trend. Like those are the kind of things that I think if you start alluding to more of the um, the explanatory realm of information and data. Now people start thinking in that mindset. And I think to your point, Tommy, people were just not even at thinking about asking the right questions. We, and that's yeah. where. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm that's what I'm pushing at. Yeah, right? I agree. I, I believe that we don't. Like you, we talk about it a lot, <laughs> but as a community, I don't think we do. And I think mm. it does need to be part of adoption. It does need to be part of engaging and telling people how to work with data yeah, is for ensuring sure. that they understand how to eke out those insights because it's not so straightforward. If anything, Great. like straightforward is you learning a DAX function, right? And I guess the, because if we look at the corpus of our experience, right, we can engaging with the business to understand the objectives is a very cliche phrase. Mm -hmm. Of course. Oh yeah. You know, we're going to talk with them and they, they should know their objectives. I guarantee you oh. that is not the case. Right. When people are building things in general in the business, it's because somebody else is asking them to do it. Right. And I can't tell you like within my own organization with it previously when contracting, you know, consulting, et cetera, the busy work is what happens during the day. And too often folks are just caught up in the day-to-day, -day, whereas we have to be strategic about spending time in these areas that take time to put data sets together to solve problems that the problems we're solving align to the objectives of the organization and not some dude who's just rogue needs to know something. 
because the prioritization yeah. of that stuff does does not get what it should on a regular basis. And Tommy, you even talked about this before, where it was, I think you you had multiple occasions where you've spent a long time on a report and it was like for one guy. Yeah. Because yeah. it was like, <laughs> oops, well, we shouldn't have, you know, probably shouldn't have spent all that time because yeah. it didn't align to a corporate objective. Because it also and, allows people to say no. And I think, like I said, as much as we obviously love Power BI, I think the, the false story has been the more you learn DAX and Power Query, the better you'll be at Power BI, which it's, to me is a, almost a false statement. Bec- and, I, and I know that sounds like a hot take, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is those are means to an end. And I think a lot of people just think the learning the DAX, the learning the modeling is the the end goal. That's not the end goal. Correct. And it's a tool to, this, to get to the right. end goal. Those yeah. are all methods. Those are all methods to get to the end goal. And yet, and I, and I, I just think there is a, I don't want to say a lack, like there's a, there's a, a pandemic or epidemic of uh, people not knowing how to frame a story. But I think a lot of times that gets lost in the conversation with power BI is the more you learn the tool, the better you'll be as a business intelligence professional, which I think is a, I, I would say it's honestly a false statement. If you're just because the ability to have that empathy, which we've said so many times, and an ability to say, well, what are we really trying to do here? Mike, to your point, like what keeps you up at night? How do we calibrate yes. what, what's important to you? And and I think is the mo- that's where you have to start. Seth, back to your first question. If the organization's not asking us the right questions too, where they're what are they asking us to help them understand why a campaign did well, or are they just saying show me campaign data? That is a says seismic shift in what we're going to do, in terms of what the the framework is, what our work is going to be. If they say why is this campaign doing what it's doing, and where should we spend money, or are they saying just spit out the data on a dashboard, that's going to really adjust what we're going to be working on and how we're. Uh, uh, collaborating with the business. Our goal to me, if and if you're stuck in that, just spit out the data, is to help shift that conversation where they start asking those questions to us on mm-hmm. why, what campaigns are doing well and why. Yeah, so why not where to spend money later? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that's the distinction be- mm-hmm. that, that I'm just not picking up from Brent, right? Mm-hmm. And the where the explanation is, um, it. it is a simple answer, right? Like, well, like it, it's just a straightforward um, process of we we have this major indicator that's very apparent. Everybody knows it. We just need to know where it's coming from. Versus, are a higher level objective for the sales organization, like where, yeah, um, you know, we need to reach a certain goal. How do we get there? Right. Which is yeah. a harder thing to understand because you would have to mm-hmm. analyze the current, you know, like what what your current sales are, how many, you know, like who your top performers are, blah, 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 blah. like all of the different metrics of the how do I get to this point and set direction, provide like, I guess, insight mm-hmm. could almost be termed as like, um, the, the value add well, back to the business, right? Where you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're setting a path that's an unknown mm-hmm. quantity or based on the analysis that, that you're doing, um, you've, you've figured out how to go do that. And that's why you would storytell, right? And, and maybe the distinction is it's not it, like if you were going to say uh, sales are up 200%, you're not going to spend time telling a story of why t- sales are up 200% outside of the fact that your marketing did a big, big promotion and initiative. You don't have to convince people of anything. So, oh, well, great. Well, that makes sense. That was the goal. That's why we did the promotion as opposed to um, where I think he leads, which is there are cases where you storytell. And if you think about this, that makes a lot of sense because, because as we do our jobs, regardless of whether or not it's reporting, um, Mike may not agree with this, but consolidating your thoughts, and most people do this in PowerPoint, right? Mm-hmm. Building Did a you just story, say PowerPoint? <laughs> building a story. But I'm actually agreeing with to, to convey in simple terms, not only like what the problem was, 
how you're going to solve it and how it's going to be executed, people are visual, right? And sometimes like building that story within those decks is why I think it's become so popular, but you can also mess it up. But that's where I think in, in general, like that makes a lot of sense to me because mm. the insight that you got was through like 50 different steps, right? It took a long time and you have to bring people along for the ride so that they understand like why it is you're recommending what you are. So, so I will agree with you, Steph, hundred percent on the idea of framing out that story. And that's a lot of what I like to do work with clients. I just don't use the medium of PowerPoint to do it in. So it's, right. it's this, this idea of like wire framing out a report, wire framing what your questions are, and then saying, let's just write down what we think we need to do. And what are, I think, when you were talking there, I made a note that said goals and expectations of the business are important. It's important to write down what those goals and objectives are. And if I go even further with that saying, if I think about the, the departments that I've interacted with, again, there are always exceptions to the rule, but of the departments I've worked with, there are certain departments that have, that seem to have more clear expectations written down and known versus other departments. Right. I, I mean, I, I, the ones that I've interacted with finance department one is the one that sticks in my head that is very clear on, on a lot of their objectives because they're looking at like financial numbers. Right. We, we expect someone says we expect a five or 10 percent growth year over year. That is the metric we're walking towards. We all know where we're marching towards. And then it's all a matter of why are we not getting there or how are we getting there? That those kind of become the main questions, the drivers of the insightful information moving forward. I also wrote the word expectations, but I, I did take it a little bit differently. Great expectations. Great expectations. Yes. Yes. Um, well, let's go back to PowerPoint. If I had a PowerPoint with six slides and six visuals and people, mm -hmm. and I didn't know what was going on in any of them, they would walk me out the door. Like, thank you for your time here, but this is your last day. If I could not explain what's on those visuals. And I think with Power BI, and at least with with the type of reporting, this new wave we're in, in terms of BI, where you have all these pages and visuals, but we're not really explaining it anymore. Like back in the day, before we had this new wave of business intelligence, any visual that I showed to someone, I had to explain and walk them through. That mm -hmm. doesn't occur anymore. I may like briefly talk, but I'm not telling them why that, you know, like something's trending up or down. Do you so have can, to? No. And I don't it, think people are expecting isn't, that. It, so I, I would ask, I would ask, while I agree with you in certain cases where information buttons are like describing what's going on is right. definitely needed or a path to do that. Isn't it potentially that like because reporting has become so prolific in yep. the business that the data literacy of people has come to a point where they don't need that anymore? I would take it the other way. I would say it's because of the technology making it so easy to create reports and create visuals that there's more visuals than probably necessary. And now we're, to me, it goes back to the churning and burning of reports rather than the data literacy's uh, um, maturity's gone up. Hmm. Okay. So anyways, I, 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 I just to kind of frame this a bit more, if I had to put together a PowerPoint with six visuals, they had to be in a particular order. They had to really tell a story. And I, again, I had, I had to speak to each of them verbally. I don't think we've, we, that has not been really a skill that's been learned in, I think with a lot of the new tools out there with the, how power, visuals can be so prevalent now. Is it visuals being so prevalent or is it like you understanding the business behind the yeah. visual? That's a that's not a bad point because, yeah, we way, have, yeah, 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 yeah. One of the things I do like, um, he so story framing, and then he starts talking about story forming, and one of these concepts that I didn't, and why I love reading these articles is because people clarify things for me, <laughs> <laughs> stick new things in my head. When I talk about data analysis, like to me, it was a catch-all catch-all term, right? We we. We're, we're compiling our data, I do my data analysis, and then I produce my insights. But the, the, the linchpin in here for me was analysis and interpretation. And to me, that explains a lot of what I would have assumed were breakdowns in people's thought processes, 
but I think it's a combination, like the interpretation part comes from understanding the business and thereby creating meaning in the data sets that you're looking at, right? So as you're analyzing different data, it's the interpretation, I think that's the most important aspect of that, that I just lumped into analysis and also the breakdown of where um, I would say even even some of my coworkers, right? Like it's that they analyze data well, but why is it that I'm able to answer all of these other questions or come to uh, come to things faster? It's because my interpretation is better. I have a better understanding of the business and how it operates and what are the different reasons in which why we're using this data in certain ways. And because of that, my analysis is just the same as them. They're looking in the same places. They're compiling the data in the same way. I just know how to interpret the data that I'm looking at. And that was, to me, a very interesting um, uh, call out, which I didn't really think about. And I like his his uh, two graphs that essentially say that this combination of analysis interpretation either happened sequentially where you're doing the analysis and then you're interpreting the data and understanding what it's telling you, or it's interwoven. And I find more often in my work in, in generating data sets or reports or whatever, the, anything data related, that the interwoven one is definitely more the, the tack that happens with me, right? Like mm. I find a little nugget and like, oh, that's interesting. That would lead me to believe, right, X, Y, Z. And I think we talk about this maybe in problem solving, Right, because mm -hmm. it's hypothesis. Mm -hmm. No, yes, no, yes, no. Right. Yes. You're yep. analyzing. Yep. You believe it's something, and you're interpreting the data in a certain way. You have a guess, and either it's confirmed, or you have to figure out a different solution for it. Scientific method, right there. That's exactly what it. Is. And so that that actually brings me to the, the middle part of the article when we start talking about discovering insights, informing interpretations that will eventually become the narrative. And I liked where he where he took this one. Because halfway down, it talked about like, do you use like an, a sequential approach? Do you just do a bunch of analysis and then do interpreting the analysis? And what I liked his his diagram here, he actually shows he felt like the the analyze and interpreting actually happens in more of an iterative process. And I think that's how I like to do it as well. I would agree. Like I would do a little bit of analysis, get to a point where I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Okay, there's another question I have. Let's ask that a little bit more. Okay, that's interesting as well. And then later on in the diagram, and I thought this other example here was very well articulated. It talked about on uh, basically two sides of a page. On the left-hand side, you have the data analysis doing the information gathering. And then on the right-hand side, you have the interpretation of that information. And how do you, again, this is where the story, I think, starts becoming formed. Like, for example, um, you know, you find that there's a 200% increase in sales one month. Okay. The answer is why? And then you do some ex exploring the data. You find, oh, look, we had uh, something happened in this week of this month. So you're starting, you're starting to narrow down. Okay. Some, something occurred on, it's, it's a time, there's a time-based portion to why this number is substantially higher. Okay. Now, next question. Find which product drove the state, the uptick in sales. Okay. Conclusion, something in this particular product, again, you're getting a little closer to the answer. Okay. This day, this week, this product, there was a substantial increase in sales compared to other products of the same nature. Okay, great. Let's go to the next one. Um, were there, did we do any marketing or promotional things that could have driven that up more? No. Okay. We didn't. So there was no promotional marketing. Something else must've occurred. And then his final insight here was, okay, this product's main competitor just hit up a recall. Well, therefore, everyone else is looking for a different product to fill their need. Therefore, you're getting an advantage over your competitors. So now you're gaining market share. Okay, let's cap. So to me, this is a great story now. Large increase in sales. Competitor's product had a failure. We're now looking at our products and saying, how can we increase the sales on our product and drive it even higher with a marketing campaign, additional spend, whatever that looks like, to accelerate that that uh, advantage that you have over a competitor, and and this is where I think Simon Sinek does a really good job of like talking about business, where he says business is like an evolutionary scale. Mm -hmm. You don't win at business; it's a continual game on a continuum yeah. that always is being played. So it's, it's like a never-ending game, 
that you're always strategically positioning yourself somewhere else between your business and other business. And what is your advantage now? You may have an advantage today, but it, you may be taken away in the future. So you're always playing this game of chess that never ends, essentially. So, and I like yeah. this approach. I think this, this explains to me very well my mind. This relates to how I like to build things. And Brent does a really, his book, Effective Data Storytelling, does a great job of that on if you are dealing with Power BI and you're trying to think of how do I take someone's problem and then in a sense, translate that to a report? Yes. And it talks about the, okay, filtering group by and all those things that we're trying to do. Whenever you put a bar chart together, you're grouping by that, but why? And um, yeah. this to me, to, honestly, this, this further goes into something I have been getting, I want to say more confidence in or being more um, suggestive with clients where we're creating risque. Risque, yeah, sure. More risque, so, more aggressive. More risque, okay. Um, more, more no, not that. More confident of okay. of creating new measures or calibrating new metrics for them, and really going through like, okay, even though this is not like, let's say, even your corporate goal, what you're trying to do, what I'm hearing you say is X, Y, and Z. That's what's important to you. Yes. This dashboard is not helping you in the slightest. It's, it's teasing that out because, again, right. I think this is the disconnect, right? Yes. What's important to you is not necessarily always represented on the report right. page. Yeah. And so te like, I think that's the point of the business analyst or these Ex you know, BAs yes. is teasing out, okay, mm -hmm. what's really important to you? Right. Again, so, to your point, like, yeah. ask the question, what keeps you up at night? You right. know, what what makes you want to take action? What do you What do yeah. you see and what would then drive you to do something? Right. And, and I think that is some, a skill and also part of the story here where we can also help develop a new story because they, I think a lot of times people think I just need to see our email send or our email campaigns. How, you know, how many uh, emails people did open? It's like, well, is that success? And let's really talk about that. It's like, actually you are concerned about spend and revenue. Let's kind of trade something at least we can monitor right now and then adjust. Mm -hmm. and I, I think we BI uh, professionals need to be a little more, let's say, confident in saying we can adjust the report or we can adjust the metrics, but let's try to monitor something right now and see where we go from that. I mean, I like your statement there. I feel like I get a real world pushback of I would like to I would like to have that conversation, mm -hmm. but I feel like there's times when I get the I just need the data. It's and but that's this like, and like I'm and like we're that's missing where the organizations are at then. That they're, and the, they're only I, in a descriptive state. Like I don't mm -hmm. know what's going on in my own right. business. I just me. need the data. Just give me the table. Right. Like that's, just, that's just, the expectation. And I'm like, ah, oh, I, I feel like we're we're cut, we're selling ourselves short by not again. This is where I go back to the education piece, right? Going back and mm -hmm. educating people. Like, okay, hey everyone, anyone who's working on our BIT, like there should be like there should be a set list of materials that you need to read before you do anything. I think anything from Alberto. <laughs> Carraro, Carrera, Carraro, Alberto, Cario? Is, Cario should be like one of those things, right? Uh, data storytelling and what the, we're talking about here should be another thing, right? I think there should be regular material where you're mm -hmm. almost producing like a study buddy group inside your company and saying, we're going to review these concepts from people who are already been doing this. Let's incorporate this into our culture. We're going to let, we're going to need to wash this over people right. till we start really asking questions. And I think until you start doing that, you start challenging the status quo. Exactly. Now people understand, like, again, you don't know what you don't know. This is just this is just purely injecting new information into people's business daily routines that'll help them come out with a more formed question. And Mike, I agree that is a lot of organizations where they just show me the data, but I will I, I'm gonna push back where just because that's their behavior doesn't mean you can't adjust that behavior. And I, and I think that's where a real true value is, is we can nudge people's behavior over time when we start showing value or we start saying, Hey, yeah, you just want to see the data, but we're going to do this other exercise. If you want your report, we're going to go through this exercise. And I think you can do that over time. If you have that support, people will see the value. I agree. And, yeah. But it's, it's the support part, right? And, and yeah. It, it's true. Good luck. I'll just nope. say it's not, it's not, it's not saying like, I don't agree with you, but I would say like, to me, this, this conversation's a little bit at different too. And I'll make, um, you know, my, my, my final comment here. I, I think, I think we're going to be much more effective. And what I'm hearing you say is yes, understanding the objectives and creating the right frame 
for reporting for the people to analyze mm-hmm. is something we talk about and I think what you're pushing, which I agree with. What's striking to me in the analysis interpretation here mm-hmm. is kind of a different thing that it, at least it's hitting me different um, in that it almost this is a different kind of conversation. It's a different set of questions than understanding the frame. What it is, is leaning more into an unknown, the unknown area based on the data findings, based on our analysis and interpretation. And this this is, this is coming kind of full circle with maybe how Brent is delineated between explanation and insight for me, Mm -hmm. where the explanation is it's 200% increase. What happened? Interpreting, Something unusual happened on our weekly sales. Great. What was it? Uh, we, we a, pr- a product X sales went up. Oh, awesome. And it's left there. Mm. I think, mm. I think yeah. organizations or people leave it there. And yeah. maybe the push that I'm getting out of this is, mm. hey, and, and ask another up, why. Pick, pick this up as a ask consultant, deeper. right? Mm-hmm. Is um, your engagement is to, ask all these questions, drive for the objectives, create a valuable report. That report does what it's supposed to do, identifies in a descriptive manner what's happening, where the sales are. And then there's this whole other ecosystem or a whole other add-on where it's like, great, now that we know that, what are the ideas or what are the questions we can drive in to do further analysis? So your teams need to go and do one, two, three, four, like keep driving into this question to see whether or not like why did the product like why did the product sales go up who's doing like you need to reach out to your like competitors do competitive analysis like figure out Mm -hmm. like is this an area that you can exploit in the business like and it's an add-on i think because this back and forth to drive more towards insights and if insights are those key things that are drivers for a business which we flippantly talk about and this is where I get where I think he's going all the way through here is those are the hard nuggets, but those are the big ones that shift business or allow them to make decisions. And in this case, if your competitor just, you know, had a major recall and you have product, you mm-hmm. can take over the market share. If you, if you like, Oh my mm-hmm. goodness, like we need to go run marketing campaigns. We need to, you know, slaughter our you know, competitor. We need to do all these things. And oh, easy there. Oh, killer. Wow. Wow. Oh, hey man, come through. You are not messing malicious. around. You are not you are not playing around when it comes to anyway, business. That's my final thought. <laughs> Seth is legitimately cutthroat. He's yeah, yeah. So um as we kind of wind down here, I think this is a good topic. I really like the article. I think there's a lot of good things here. I definitely it definitely tweaked a lot of my uh thoughts around story framing and story forming and then ultimately into the storytelling mode here. And I and I think um, it has opened my eyes a bit more to what storytelling could potentially mean and how do you really um, uh, maybe effectively build storytelling. So um, with that, we are now at our what does ChatGPT say segment. Uh, so we've asked the question of ChatGPT, how do you become a successful data storyteller? So uh, there is, uh, again, like ChatGPT has been recently giving us here a lot of bulleted lists here. Here's a, here's a six point list of things you can do. So first on the list would be understand your audience. I would agree with that. Before you start telling your data story, it is important to understand your audience and what they're interested in. Knowing this will help you craft a story that is relevant and engaging to that audience. Makes sense. Uh, the next one here would be choose the right visualizations. Visualizations is key to data storytelling. Choose the right type that conveys your message. I'd agree with that one. Use storytelling techniques. Just like a good story, your data story should have a clear beginning, middle, and end. Storytelling techniques like suspense, foreshadowing, and resolution make your data story more engaging. Now, that's pure, like, I think, storytelling in general. I'm not necessarily sure I resonate very well with that one. Maybe there's some aspects there. Uh, Number four, focus on the story, not the data. It's important to remember the data is just a tool to help you tell the story. Don't be bogged down in the details of the data. Focus rather on the story you're trying to tell and use the data to support the story. I like this one. Practice, practice, practice. Data storytelling is a skill that takes place to, takes, sorry, data storytelling is a skill that takes practice to master. Keep practicing your data storytelling skills and seek feedback to improve your techniques. I think that's good because I think that's that's a really good like peer programming, yeah. peer review kind of process. And it's then also, lastly, it also pushes for for uh, um, 
presentation being part mm. of yeah. you know That's uh, good point kind of your yeah you're pushing people to learn new skills yeah agreed stay current with technology and trends technologies are ever evolving data stories in the data storytelling field stay current with te technology trends tools and techniques and best practice to ensure that your reports are fresh and engaging i thought that was a pretty fair estimate i thought that was pretty relevant there i like the practicing part i think that was an aspect of you, you just don't know yeah. how to do it automatically. And I think that's also part here too. That's where I was going with yeah. the data culture piece. Like we need more time to invest in this. Mm -hmm. I'll give it a four out of seven. It's, you know, it's above the average, but don't know if there's an unexpected shift in the way I understand things. I'll give it it's a three bananas. It's me an insight. Uh, so I'll, I agree with Tommy. I give it a 4.2. Yeah, I'll give it two lemons and, a, and an orange. Yep, that sounds good. Okay, so <laughs> if we're if we're ranking on one to seven, I would I'll I'll probably give it like a a five. I'll probably give it a five. I liked it a bit more. I think it's yeah. a, a better answer that it gave. Oh man, we're not doing out of ten. Oh, well, man. Tommy doesn't like tens. One, of my, one well, of my other one of my other uh, ratings in the podcast didn't make sense then because I never. We'll adjust it. Then. We just we just we'll changed. It. I think Tommy just changed it right now. Oh, oh. I this, said this four out of seven. You had your own decision to make. <laughs> yes, Tommy said four out of seven. So he yes. basically he told us the scale that he was working on. Oh, yeah. I would be with you, you Seth. I would give it a one to ten. Four, is how I would point two out of ten. Yeah, I have a great article to send you then. That's why I said I'll give it three bananas and an orange, like you know. <laughs> excellent well thank you all very much for your time we appreciate you hanging out with us for an hour ish uh talking about things and this new article we appreciate it the article is in the link in the description below of the uh, videos so you can go check out that article thank you all very much our only ask is if you like this content if you found this book engaging or had other thoughts around this topic we'd love to hear from you so uh share it on social media let us know what you're thinking about this topic and we'd love to hear back from you your thoughts and let someone else know you found some value from this podcast Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can subscribe on Apple and Spotify. And if you're on one of those two platforms, as Mike said, give it five bananas. It helps us out a ton. Heck yes. Uh, if you want to join the conversation live or join the community, we have a great chat. A lot of people that join every Tuesday and Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Central. Follow PowerBI.tips or PowerBI Tips on all the social channels. Go find us there. Sounds good. Thank you all very much. And we'll see you next time.